0: Peace and blessings y'all, my name's Isaac and I'm the host of the Black Leaders Matter podcast, the place where we highlight, support, and celebrate the next generation of black leadership. This podcast is part of the Black Brown Healing Project, which has an overall goal of holding space for black folks and people of color to support and affirm each other, as well as celebrate the beauty of our community. This episode was recorded online over a video conferencing app. So if you want to watch the video, the full interview or see more of the amazing work at the Black Brown Healing Project, you can check us out on Instagram at Black Brown Healing Project or on our website at blackbrownhealingproject.com. Okay, so you should see them recording so we're all good. Yes. All right, awesome. So I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, But for everyone listening, if you could introduce yourself, kind of talk about your name, your identity, however you express that, um, your hometown, and then a quote you live by, that would be great.
1: Of course. So hello, everyone. My name is Alexandria Adams. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, And I am representing Slow County, (laughs) San Luis (laughs) Obispo County. yeah that's that's a little bit about myself and a quote that I live by um so I was raised by my grandmother who is from Louisiana and um she's a 90 year old woman who growing up I would always hear her say um just wipe that shit off and keep pushing so that's the quote (laughs) that I live by it's from my grandmother
0: I love that I just yeah I love how that reminds me so much of my family too so I just love how something that is I think once we get away from like trying to make the language sound pretty and just get back to the root of it I'm like you know what that really works that's what I need to hear
1: <laughs> just shake that shit off and keep going
0: honestly that <laughs> honesty is helpful <laughs> yeah awesome thank you for that I mean so for those listening um if you could do a favor take us on your leadership journey you know as a black identifying student leader and just all you've done regardless of if that's title or whatever kind of just if you I want to give you a chance to kind of just talk about your story. I'm really here for it. Yeah, of course.
1: Um so I feel like my leadership journey was kind of thrown on me from a very young age whether I wanted it or not. Um I feel like you know, being a child who um had family members who suffered from mental illness, Um, like my mom suffers from schizophrenia and my sister um, struggles with bipolar and we have these array of beautiful personalities within our family. I feel like that um, family dynamic definitely threw me in very early on to be aware um, and to speak up and to be advocating on the behalf of the people that I loved. Um, I I remember in high school, um, I was a peer mentor and um, I started off just talking to other students about their experiences in class and um, learning about, you know, just how our campus was ran and, and Great stuff that goes for being in student leadership. Um, but then we opened our first wellness clinic on campus, and I was one of the founding students that was asked to help with this project. Um, oh. And uh, my high school, so once my high school started this wellness center, that was kind of my first insight in meeting um, like therapists and social workers and marriage family therapists and learning about mental health, not from a family perspective, but learning it from like. Uh, professional perspective. Um, from there, uh, I kind of just took it by the rings and, and just, um, I mean, I, let's see, from high school, I graduated early, and then I went into community college. Um, I was a speech and debate competitor during community college. And then that opened my eyes to just uh, public speaking and policy and um, just structural change. Um, I transferred from a community college into the CSU system, um, and then from being at California State University, Monterey Bay, um, I ran for student government, I became the vice president of external affairs, super freaking fancy, Um, (laughs) and then I, that's where I met you, was at um, CSSA, which, you know, that that was a journey in itself of leadership, (laughs) Um, and being a board member there, and um, since then, it's just been like an up and down roller coaster of just like seeking out, like grounding and all the chaos, <laughs> mm-hmm. while um, you know just saying yes to any opportunity that you know has monetary compensation or not. <laughs> like you okay. know, but,
0: yeah. You know what? And I feel like, at least in my experience, that that especially that last piece really I found to be so true this year of just seeking out every opportunity because I do think, even as like Black student leaders, what's often forgotten, I. I'll tell people like you know we don't have the privilege to be saying no to you know opportunities too. So mm-hmm. you saying that really resonates. I was like, thank okay, so as long as I'm not crazy, it's not just me." Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm really curious cuz you talked a lot about like mental health in your experience really advocating mm-hmm. for it and I, we have, like, we recognize the stigma there is on mental health in the Black community, the stigma Mm -hmm. there is on mental health in just communities of color in general. So what, I'm really curious to hear about, like, your experience, your thoughts about what that has looked like, kind of advocating for a better understanding, your experience, um, you know, as a Black identifying individual with just mental health in general.
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question, actually. Um, So like I said, my family, um, I come from a family that um, had mental health at the forefront of our existence, whether we acknowledged it as mental health or not. Mm -hmm. Like we always knew like, you know, your mama's or your cousin is, we always had these ideas and these ways of coping with certain family members. Um, But I think, you know, I think that because I grew up knowing that certain personality types or certain people that I knew were different from the vast majority, like I I always knew that mental health was something important. I just didn't have the necessary words to like put it together like, "Oh, there's a clinical definition of that." Like, you know, <laughs> there's actually like studies and research on this or there's like, you know, like tangible data that supports this thing that I've been observing my whole life. I think um, I definitely think ed- education has helped with that so much, <laughs> um, you know, and and I think that, um, you know, within the black community, it's, it's interesting, because I now more than ever, the conversation of mental health is flourishing. Um, and it's a conversation that's becoming so much more prevalent. Um, but still, there's a lot of work that has to be put into, like, you know, redefining or re um rebuilding the the like the structural framework that we see it or the way we perceive um yeah. mental health. So it's I think that's kind of the era that we're in now is like, you know, the younger generation of black folk is like, yo, there's something called mental health. You know, and right. the older <laughs> ones are like, tell me something about it, you know, but we're still in this change of um, you know, giving the term mental health like a little facelift right now. So it's it's kind of it's just so i don't know i think it just has to come with like educating yourself educating your community and then doing stuff like this talking about mental health so yeah
0: that's great i know like i feel like right now especially is so um, essential to have these conversations about mental health to mm-hmm. really help break down those stigmas i mean like literally that's one of the found- the foundations of this whole healing project is is getting to what we understand Uh, like, we hold on to traumas, too, even if you're not clinically diagnosed with something, you hold on to traumas. We, as a community, are holding on to stuff, Um, and I I know, like, at least for me, I'm like, the family heirloom can't be trauma. We can't just keep passing this down and passing this down thinking that it's going to be okay, so. Mm, The family heirloom can't be trauma. (laughs) I love that. You know, but I just love seeing other, especially other not just like other people, but especially other people in the community, other folks, other black folks really advocating for mental health and just being Mm -hmm. in that space. Because at least from my point of view, it's very much this, like, a galvanized space Mm -hmm. where you can get judged from your own community because it's not always validated or it's very much stigmatized, even though it's very needed. So it's like, there's always, I imagine there's that struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really great to see folks who are really just leading the charge there. That's Thank you. That's great to see. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for sure. I wanted to hit on in some of your last leadership positions, just mm-hmm. I wanted to get on what are some, what was your experience like operating in the different spaces you operated in? Um, <laughs> I'm really curious. <laughs> oh. Um,
1: so what was my experience like operating in the various aspects of leadership in my last position? Um. So I, I think um, so, like I said previously, um, leadership was thrown on me very early on, whether I wanted it or not. And it's been something that I've had to grow to accept. Um, I think because of my, my last leadership position was in a political setting. I think that completely changed my idea of what leadership is. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know, like I, I grew up with a 90-year-old woman. My grandmother adopted me when she was 65 years old. So my mom had 65 years of wisdom when I was an infant, right? And so I was taught more so on value-based principles. So identifying what your values are, staying true to that, like, you know, being tenacious. And, and you know, that was my definition of leadership. And then once I got into a political space, I was like, Oh, these people coming for you, sis, like they <laughs> come in at the neck. Your, your side, your kidney, your liver, they will take anything and they will stab your heart out. <laughs> like, and I think that, um, you know, I think that being in that political space definitely shook up my leadership skills. and it, And it made me realize that, you know, you have to stay true to your values and your authenticity while still being strategic and letting, um, letting people know what it is, you know, like I guess that's the best way I could put it without, you know, um, like, you know, being too explicit. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think that like being in a political setting, I think that that definitely, um, you know, it taught me that there are people with good intentions, but, um, they're they're good intentions, but it's competitive. It's strategic, and it's still we're still primal beings. Like we're still yeah. animals. We're still dog eat dog, and that still exists. So I think yeah. that that was probably the biggest thing that I um, that was the hardest struggle to realize is that like not everything is peaches and cream when you're in politics. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That's so interesting. I think that. I know from being in that space, kind of, or partially being in that space with you. I think it was really interesting to watch because, at least from my point of view, the few black layers that were in that space, I could say were a lot more vocal and mm-hmm. I would say more honest and authentic you know, authentic with what they were saying. Ooh, I'm so and sorry. You're good. You're good. But I think that, Hello. at least for me. Um... <laughs>
1: OK, I apologize, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I um, oh, yeah. So I think for me, like that authentic piece and the honesty piece came from um, like in my point of view, was just there's not there's not a lot of us here and there's yeah. a lot of line. Right. Um, and I think just even getting into that political piece of it,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: that transformation, in how you view leadership, mm-hmm. I think is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that hard for you then coming back to campus or or, or coming back out of these political roles, working with people who don't, like, let's say you're working with your your community who doesn't fully understand the whole political Mm -hmm. part of that. How was that experience like then trying to translate and and trying to code switch those two worlds?
1: You know, it, I don't think it has, I don't think I've gotten good at, like, I don't think that that's a thing quite yet. Because um, when I come home, you know, my family knows me as Alex. You know, Miss Minnie—that's my nickname as a kid. You know, like, <laughs> um, so when I come home, they just say, "Oh, you know, how school? Good. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? You know." Um, yeah, I, I think that that when you're in those political leadership roles, or, or when you're in a, a a leadership role that is political it brings you to a new threshold of resiliency that you can't go back from. And it's like, mm-hmm. it pushes you to your brink, especially with your mental health. Like, cause yeah. you have the psychological game. You always have to be questioning like, okay, am I tripping? Is the situation tripping? <laughs> if I want to get to where I need to go. How am I going to, you know, dodge to the left and dodge to the right while still being true to who I am? Like, how, how do I still navigate this space and then um, still be successful in this position that I'm in and be effective and, and have impact while still, um, you know, like, yeah. So I, I think that, I think that you know, it like I said, it brings you to a new threshold of ability that in some ways you're so grateful that it's over. But in other ways, you're like, ooh, what's next? You know, yeah. like, yeah.
0: I think I totally get like that. There is still... As frustrating as it can be, right, there's still that, that thrill of recognizing there is a next battle. Mm-hmm. And that there is... So, I, at first, I was like, at least for me, I was in these positions. I'm like, I can't see how people do this for a long term. But I do think over time, you get to go, okay, I, I get it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a continuous battle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm curious. If you had, like, one piece of advice that helped you get through this and get through those larger struggles, what was that piece of advice? You know, for folks who are also, who may also be trying to break into this space or uh, who could really learn from it. I'm really curious, what was your, what was that takeaway for you?
1: Um, So, one thing that someone could take away from um, their leadership opportunities, um, like Floor May Adams says, you better shake that shit off and keep going. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, honestly, like, I honestly think that, like, Saying, like, when you are presented an opportunity as a Black person, you have to remember that, and this is sucks, it sucks that we get put in this position, but especially as a, a Black leader in a space that has social impact, mm-hmm. it, is your, it is your responsibility to the community and to yourself and to your ancestors to take that opportunity, do your very best at it, and um, when you're at the end of it, celebrate all of your victories. Like, that is your responsibility. That is the gift that you were given. That is the the place that you were placed in by, you could call it the universe, you can call it God, you can call it the yeah. dirt and trees. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> like, um, I think that so many of us sometimes, especially as Black leaders, I feel like we second-guess our abilities or our sense of belonging in mm-hmm. leadership positions. And so I think that... Um, for so many of us, uh, you know, we we second-guess our abilities. So it's just like, honey, you got to go for it and take the L's when you need to take the L's and celebrate those victories when you have them as well. So,
0: You yeah. know what? And I feel like that imposter syndrome part is so strong, <gasps> right? You feel <tell> me? <laughs> right? Like, just even sitting in the room, and I think there's a lot of times it's just so easy, right, to just question whether or not you deserve to be in this space, whether or not you should be saying what you're saying, how you're saying, it, is that correct? All these questions are run right through your mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think that like, that is, that is really helpful. Of mm-hmm. just, you gotta, you gotta, don't sweat the small stuff, right? You just gotta just roll with it. Um, yeah. That's really insightful. I'm curious, if, to get your opinion, do you think that, based off what's happening in our country now, right, in the wake where Black Lives Matter, I think, is more popular now than it has been ever before, and people are becoming, at least on Instagram, right, on social media, people yeah. are allegedly becoming more educated on the microaggressions, as far as, you know, more mm-hmm. than just the macroaggressions that Black folks face. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that these things will change, or, the insights will change. I'm really curious to get your feedback on that.
1: Um, yeah, I, you know, I believe that everybody is changing right now. Like, mm-hmm. um, I believe that we are in a space of change and transition. Um, I think that, you know, when I, I personally, me and my family, um, in the central coast of California, primarily in Slow County, we have been planning and organizing a lot of these protests because we are the black leadership in that area. Like we are the black people there. We are the only black people there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, to see so many allies and to see so many people fighting and out there with us and for us, um, you know, chanting and, and celebrating not not necessarily celebrating black lives but acknowledging that black lives matter I think that um just seeing those people changed my perspective on what an ally really looks like yeah and, um but it also you know I, I think it it's hard to say like whether change is is occurring because for some people, this is a wake up call for some people. This is like, finally, this is happening. Um, for some people, this is like, you know, another day, another dollar, you know? Um, I think that, uh, this is definitely a, very strong extension of the civil rights movement for us. And I think that as long as we can keep the fire going and the conversation going, there can be significant change. However, we're at the early peaks of the conversation being started in a sense, the mm-hmm. fact that it took a social media trend to get there. Now that's my question of like, you know, intention and uh, you know, why did it take a social media trend for people to, want to join the conversation, you know, why yeah. did you take, you know, I'm, 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 I'm asking questions myself that I'm yeah. trying to figure out of like, you know, however, I think that especially as black leaders, black student leaders, like it's, it's the, it's the push we needed to keep the torch going. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where we're at, where I think we're at the beginning of a revolution within our generation. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered it. It kind of went around in a circle
0: and came back. <laughs> no, I think because I remember talking with you. I think we we're on the same page. Um, right after, I think it was people were sharing the video, the death of George Floyd, mm-hmm. and I think we we're both on the same page of talking about, you know, can we not perpetuate the this black tragedy porn, right? This yeah. death of black folks so easily. And I remember having a conversation with someone and they were like well you know this is educating folks remember saying like listen honestly if you call yourself an ally or whatever and you don't you don't see the value in my life until you watch me die i don't <laughs> yeah. trust the, you know i don't trust yeah. how genuine of an ally you really are right yeah. if you can't just see a human life and a human value inherent in that life then without watching them die brutally right mm-hmm. then i don't i don't yeah. trust the validity of that but I do think like, at least for me there's some there's still that skepticism too, right? Of just mm-hmm. seeing I'm with you, like why did it take this? Right. In 20, 2014, I believe like, in like in Ferguson, why mm-hmm. didn't that cat you know, why didn't that start it? Why didn't Eric Garner start it? Why didn't Trayvon Martin, why why is it that just now it seems popular? Right. So I do I, I do think that there's like that hesitancy of mm-hmm. how genuine it is or isn't. Um yeah. right. It's- especially because, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but, you know,
1: especially because we met at, you know, we met at CSSA and I can guarantee, I can tell you right now, based off my Instagram feed, I see people who are claiming to be an ally who were not an ally when we were sitting Mm -hmm. in that room, when we had the voting power and we were making Mm -hmm. choices that impacted people. That's what I'm trying to say. Like has nothing to do with political party, has nothing to do with anything except for valuing life. And so Seeing and recognizing those things as well of like, I see people like, oh, now you're going, yes. now the story is lit about Black issues? Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. So I feel you. <laughs>
0: and you know, I think it's also like, I feel like on the leadership standpoint, there is that reframing of what we're dealing with, right? I think there's so many issues that we deal with. I was having a conversation with someone I was talking about like, listen, right now we're focused on the criminal justice system, but for, my thing is like for allies, for folks who are chanting Black Lives Matter, are you ready for the nature of the conversation that's going to happen? When we talk about systemic racism, and when you come back to me and go, wait, so you're telling me every part of society is hurting and killing Black people? And I say, yes, Like, are you ready for that part? right? Because I do think it's reframing stuff. I think there was times in CSSA where we're looking at legislative pieces. And for me, I'm like, OK, I'm going to frame this right for y'all. This is a civil rights issue. This is a human rights issue. It may look on the surface, like it's just education. It may look on the surface like it's just mental health. It may look on the surface like it's just what classes are taught, who's in the room, all of that. But realistically, we got to look at the the impacts, right? And I think Mm -hmm. for even, for folks listening who aren't, you know, who don't really know that much about the CSU system, right? Like Black student enrollment has been decreasing continuously for years. It's at a ridiculous low. I think we're at 4% Mm -hmm. system wide and we're supposed to be the most diverse education system in the country, right? And so I think, As a black student leader, like that, I at least for me, I felt that that kind of puts a target on your back too, because you're like, listen, it's so easy to find me, it's so easy to identify, (laughs) and but also like the stakes are high to be vocal, because I got me and my eight black folks back on campus, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so I do feel like no, it was definitely more than that, but it felt like we had (laughs) eight. (laughs) See, me and my friend used to joke around. There'd be three of us in the room. We're all black. And we'd be like, this is 80% of the black population on our campus just because it seems so hard to find folks. But I think that, like, that also does, you know, and you tell me what you think, but I feel like that also does make the stakes a little bit higher when you know that there ain't a lot of you too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, you know, coming out of that, and seeing what's happening nationwide to be really interesting. I'm really, I'm still questioning people's, how genuine they really care. But I also like weigh it against if, if actual substantive change is happening, then I can compromise on whether or not you genuinely care or not. Right. Like, there's there's some healing you got to do. Um, um, I want to get your thoughts on how, how do you see the effects of like mental health for our Black community happening now as well? Right, especially for especially for our student leaders, because I know you kind of touched on it before, of like the mental weight that comes on, you know, Black mm-hmm. folks when they step into these leadership positions. I want to get your thoughts on that too.
1: So the mental health of um, student leaders or Black people who step into these leadership positions, um, man, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous the amount of stress and anxiety and just fear and, and excitement and fulfillment that you get from these positions. It's, it's insane. Um, so I'm all for therapy. Like I am that I'm going to be a therapist at some point in my career. Like that is the goal. And, um, I honestly, you know, finding culturally competent therapists is essential for survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is essential for any type of leadership position you get in to find a therapist. I got two therapists right now. I got a black lady and I got a Latina lady and they both speak some truth into my life in a way (laughs) that I need in order to sustain uh, the career that I'm building and at the rate that I'm building it. Right. And I think that. For so many people who get in these leadership positions, especially when the workload is demanding, I think the best thing you can always, always, always do is take care of yourself. Take the walk, have the glass of wine with your friends. (laughs) Like, you know, if you can have the glass of wine with your friends, you know, go out smell some fresh air um, take a shower that day Um, you know make sure you're setting every single day you're setting aside at some time for yourself if that means playing video games or um, uh, watching anime that's one of my things that I do is I watch a lot of anime (laughs) Uh, you know like doing whatever it is that you need to do to feel good for that moment and always bringing yourself back to that moment of like I am here, I am present, I am alive. Oh. Um, hopefully you got a paycheck coming in so you can <laughs> eat, you know, like, you know, and if you don't, uh, you know, figure it, like just being present and saying like, the pains that I'm feeling today are very temporary and this too shall pass. So I think that that's the biggest thing that I learned was um, acknowledging when things were overwhelm- overwhelming and too much. And having no problem telling people, no, (laughs) get out of my face. (laughs) Yeah. You know what?
0: I think that phrase, this too shall pass, you said, I'm like, oh my God. I think I have said that so many times this last year. um, Because I think that that, like, really, that was just the reminder I needed. Because I think sometimes put in that stress of what's next and recognizing oh, well, there's all these other larger systemic burdens that are put on top of me and the things I'm dealing with as well. Mm -hmm. There's all these other issues that people folks don't know about. And as someone who also goes to see therapy, my Mm -hmm. experience now that my therapist is now a black woman before I was seeing a different therapist and my who was um, a white male, but Mm -hmm. it is drastically different. Mm -hmm. It's so drastically different, the comfort level, but as well as like, there's certain things I don't have to explain and I don't really know how to explain, but they're just prevalent in our community. And I think that like that, that makes a huge difference. But mm-hmm. I think about the phrase this too shall pass because, oh my God, right. Being present, I think was so, has helped me get through my stuff. So I'm glad to know that um, it's not just me, right. That That's really helpful. And I think that's really what started this whole project anyways, was just about how can we support our folks from a, Healthy mindset, right? In talking, when we talk about advocacy, but even beyond just advocacy, just showing up, being present, which sometimes, right, me and you both know sometimes that is advocacy, just showing up and being mm-hmm. present. Um, and so, I'm walking out the room
1: when you need to, too. Cause I think that's how we met each other. Yeah. We met each other both like, I gotta walk out the
0: room right now. <laughs> and honestly, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't even know if anything was said. I think there was just a lot of tension in the room. I think there was just a lot happening in the room. Mm-hmm. And I have a habit of that that's going to feed on my anxiety. So I remember walking out and seeing you. Know, I think we ate lunch. I feel like that happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're in the same boat. We're yes. just right at the same place. That's... You are the homie after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think even then, when we when difficult conversations did come up and see us say, when, honestly, folks be making shit up, like, it was nice to know, okay, I have someone else here. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's nice mm-hmm. to know. I know this person. I know who they are. I know their values because they're more transparent about it. And I think that at least was helpful for me. I don't know. I don't know. If that's the same case for you. And like even in other leadership positions, um, how important do you see like having allies in a space when you're trying to lead? Um, I'm really curious about that.
1: Oh, they're important. They're essential. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 challenging because you know, you always have to think about the context in which you're leading in, right? Because mm. um, when you are, you know, like, um, like, for example, when I was leading in the space of mental health on my campus, the the allies that I had were much different than the allies that I had in a political space. Yes. Because in a political space, you have to be considering Um, or, or maybe not even a political space, but just any space where they're, where people have agendas, you know, um, it doesn't just have to be politics. It can be anywhere. When people have certain agendas that they're trying to push, you have to be very mindful of the allies that you're building. And, um, when you can connect with somebody on a cultural level and you're both in there with the same push of trying to improve the lives of your community, the lives of your representation, uh, the black community, whatever community you come from, like those are like those authentic allies. They shouldn't just be allies. They should be your friends. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of it, you should have uh, some form of similarity to where it's like, I know that when this topic comes up, that is the person I go to because you've uh, established that connection. So I think that those that allyship and that that community that's supporting the same push is essential. I think it's it's so important, and um, that way you also know that you're not alone. Like you're not alone in the fight of social equity or um, advocacy of whatever type it is. You know, yeah. I think that's so important.
0: I I like hundred percent agree. I think just yes. seeing. Sometimes it's like, I just need to see a face. Mm-hmm. I just need to know, just need to know you there. So I, that way everyone else in the room can think I'm crazy, but it's like, you know, right? Yeah. And I think that that's so impactful. Um, now I think, right. Cause because of how political that role is, but mm-hmm. then also recognizing that like leadership extends beyond just one role. I'm mm-hmm. really curious how you, like in your opinion, how do you see your leadership work, your role? How do you see that? as being able to support your community? I think besides just like, because I think a lot of times we think of like showing up, oh, I'm a leader, I'm in charge of something, right? But how do you see your work as being helpful and supportive of your community and communities? Um,
1: For sure. Um, It's funny, I actually just got back from um, home and I was with my family for a couple of days and my brother actually has a two-year-old daughter and um, he was just going on and on and on about how much he loves his baby girl and how he would do anything for her. And he was talking about all the stress it is to be a parent. And um, he actually works uh, at a hospital in a surgical unit um, as an assistant. And, um, you know, he, I was telling him, I was like, Derek, like, you should go talk to somebody like you should go see a therapist. And he was like, Alex, that's why I have you. And when he told me, I was like, oh. <gasps> when did this happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, this whole time I was supporting this significant person in my life in a way that I didn't even think I was supporting them. Mm-hmm. And I just was right. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, as a, as somebody who's pursuing a career as a licensed clinical social worker, mm-hmm. so much of my work is heavy on how I'm serving people. Right. Like how am I serving um. How am I serving, you know, the people I live with, the people that I grew up with, um, the my future? like it's it's interesting because, um you know, i I find that the work that I do, um, the work that I do and the work that I want to do, and it's like, I don't know it, honestly it feels like every day is just some random like it's just another day and I do mm-hmm. one little thing on my checklist and it's leadership like it's the mundane yeah. every day nothing special is happening work that makes you an incredible leader and I think mm-hmm. that sometimes we have this idea of what an incredible leader looks like you know but in real like realistically it's like no it's showing it it's like did you visit your family today? Did you, you know, did you say good morning to the person that made your coffee this morning? Did mm-hmm. you, you know, it's these little things that make your work as a leader kind of sustain, like, were you authentically connected to the community in which you were serving? And yeah. it's so you know, like, God damn it. You're an impeccable leader. <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> you, know? you know, what? and I, I, as you said that, it reminded me of, I don't even know if you know this, when we did, in March, we did the California Higher Education Student Summit with CSSA, right? Okay. And I, that was That was tragic. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you, when you're talking about the little things, I remember I had some of the folks on the delegation that I brought from my campus, mm-hmm. um, I guess, had talked to you or had mm-hmm. just said hi in passing, and they came back um, after, and I think they had saw you later, and I said, oh, and I waved. And they're like, oh, my God, she's so nice. I talked to her earlier. Like, that made me feel so special. And so, and almost our entire delegation, these are folks not in ASI. These are folks who are not in, they're in their own, um, they're all kind of their own community leaders. And it was beautiful. So, for me, I was like, I love that that's the impression they get. Um, but also recognizing there ain't a lot of Black student leaders in this space, too. That's the impression they get, too. Right? I feel like that. Yeah. So, I just wanted to let you know that was really impactful for them. Um, that's awesome. Um, so, because I feel like that's not something that's not information we share a lot is like yeah. to see the effects of the great work you do. So just to really testify to how impactful those little things are. Um, I got folks who are now in leadership positions, like actual leadership titled positions in ASI, um, who just had a really great experience at that event. And just you were part of that. Oh, and my goodness. To to cry. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Thanks for and sharing that. No problem. And I think you, you, touched on like the support that you can give your community, the support you can give your family, folks around you, even the people we forget. I, But I do think there are like some misconceptions too about what it means to be a Black student leader. Mm. So I kind of want to give you space to talk about that. But really, if there was one ask you could make of your community, um, whichever communities that are, you know, if there was one ask you could make of your community to better support leaders like yourself, what would that ask be and why?
1: I would tell them to, like,
0: okay, hold up, <laughs> hold up, don't think
1: about it, because I don't want it to come out the wrong way, yeah. um, so especially in the context of, you know, in the context, oh, you froze, are you still there? Yeah, um, okay. I'm still here. Yeah. yeah. so in the context of, like, let's say AS or ASI um, and student government, um, so when I was on my campus i had a i had such a split experience from cssa leadership and uh my campus leader like leadership team and the community that i was in in that space and um in both of those spaces i wanted to tell people to relax take a breath and shut up stop (laughs) talking Stop thinking, stop doing anything and just breathe and listen to the person next to you and stop critiquing how they look or what they said or what they didn't say or any of that stuff. Like, I think that for so many of us, it's like, you know, it's like everybody's trying to lead to the best of their ability. And I think that when you have authentic communication and authentic connection, I think that that is the most significant aspect of leadership. Mm. And I think sometimes those titles get to people's heads and they think, oh, I'm the vice president, the president, the the executive (laughs) president. And it's like, okay, but at the end of the day, what are you doing? What are you what is what's your what's your goal? Like is your goal like equity like whatever your values are whatever your goals are that is what you are put on the face of the earth to do so stop tripping over your title sit your power hungry ass down and do what you need to do to get the job done so that's what I would tell
0: people is (laughs) relax you know what you I it's like I see this I see it so many times and it's so true right I think it's like I was telling someone, I said, I'm really tired of these Pokemon trainer leaders, the ones that, like, gotta catch all the titles. I need to have all of it. Like, because sometimes, sometimes it's it's not that big. Sometimes there are big issues that you're not making big, and sometimes they're just not that big. And I feel like, I'm just a personal believer in, like, you know, when we give people titles, we give people power. It's really easy for that to go wrong, right? Like, it's really Mm -hmm. easy for people to misuse it. But, I think it's just like that humility piece is so huge, yeah. um, and I like I personally get seen it right when things go bad, if you're up on your high horse and and everything goes bad, and you know everything you're expecting, <laughs> everything you're expecting to go right doesn't go right, and you gotta work with people, you gotta find humility fast mm-hmm. right um and I feel like that is such a huge piece, so I'm really glad I'm glad you brought that up that is so mm-hmm. I think. Underappreciated too, in mm-hmm. terms of leadership. Um, yeah. So then, with that said, how did you create an environment that was that helped keep you humble as well, like in your position? Because we have to, like, leadership positions they, mm-hmm. they have the tendency. How did you make sure that you were being proactive about that? Um, and like, if not, how would you catch yourself? Um,
1: so how did I'm sorry. Uh, my roommates are like shindigging outside. So I'm <laughs> Um, so how did I create space for, um, how did I support my space as a leader or? Yeah.
0: Well, like, how did you ensure that you put yourself in a position where the ego didn't get to you? Oh, you yeah. Too? Well,
1: the thing was, is like, so I was around a lot of ego driven people mm. and, um, I like I was friends with some so I like I was con- connecting with people from various campuses with various backgrounds, with various titles. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of my term or the beginning of my experience, um, I realized that like it started off good, but then like by mid, <laughs> midway through, that's when the power <laughs> starts to come out. And yeah, and for me, I, my first part of my term, um, I was, uh, everything was good. I went and studied abroad for winter break and I drank the best beer of my life in Germany. I had this life altering experience and I came back and I was just like, Ugh, this is what I'm coming back to? Like, yeah. this person this person is on my neck about something I have no idea about. This person is, you know, screaming at me on the phone about all these problems within this organization. Um, I had some people, like, gossiping about other people. Like, I just saw the the lack of decency and like the, not the lack of decency, but the, the real, the reality of human nature <laughs> mm-hmm. come out. And um, I think that just remembering that this, this position is going to end. So it's not that yep. big deal. like you come in, you're committed to the work that you're supposed to do when you're there. But remembering that this passes it, mm-hmm. it's not going to be here forever. Um, And I also realized very early on um, I I worked at a mortgage firm and I was the market assistant marketing manager at this uh, mortgage firm and um, I got super attached to that title and when I didn't have that job anymore I lost my identity and that experience taught me like girl. You are not that title, that title needs you. Like, you don't need that title. That title, you are in that title because that title needs something that you have to offer. So, um, I think that that mantra has been very consistent of like, you make the title. That title does not make you, you know? Yeah. You know,
0: that is so, so good. Like, Mm -hmm. that really, because I've seen people who have really great titles and can't lead for shit, right? Like, they can't actually do stuff.
1: President, you mm. yeah. I can out- President, you any day, but you don't. Know <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you know exactly.
0: And I think it's like I always boil it down to like, listen, when push comes to shove,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, if you're not real, if you're not you before mm-hmm. you're that title, people only listening to you because they feel like they have to. You have some authority or some power. Once they recognize you don't, because I feel like my personal mm-hmm. beliefs, like at the end of the day, no one has authority or power over you, mm-hmm. right? You submit in some way, shape, or form. So once people realize that it's not worth submitting anymore, you mm-hmm. can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like that is so powerful. That's such a powerful insight. And I remember being in a leadership position and they had us in training in the, the first couple of days. One of the things they had us do with our team was talk about, okay, what is something you do? Like, how do you manage stress so we know when to like leave you alone? How do you mm-hmm. do that? And I remember telling my team like, listen, sometimes any physical perspective. I literally just get up and leave. I'm gonna like, get up and leave. I need to see something different, and I said, if I get up and leave, don't follow me. I need to see something different. I don't need to be coached into any no, I need to be by myself for a second. Mhm, So I feel like that perspective and just you really speaking on just getting that perspective of the world is so much bigger.,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like the amount of times I sat in my car before a meeting and went, the world is so much bigger than this. it's gonna yes. be fun. yes so
1: it is so much bigger and You know, I think that um, we have to remember that these positions that we get in as student leaders, as Black student leaders, like, remember, for us Black folk, we have to be exceptional to get in those positions. We don't have the space to be mediocre and show up halfway. We have to be the most we have, and even, even in the areas in which we are flawed, it is okay to acknowledge where you are flawed, or you are not perfect, or you need development, like, that's okay. But you have to be an exceptional person to be in these positions. And then remembering that the positions that you are walking in are only leading you to the next position, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, we start off in student government, and the next thing we're leading a state, and the next thing we're leading a country, and the next thing you know, we're in international leadership position, yeah. you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles um and yeah so I think that sometimes um we just forget that this moment is so small in the grand scheme of things it's important but it's yep.
0: yeah it is no, yeah and I think like I always oh. had I had my own group of friends and they had nothing to do with student government they were my gate like when all was felt they were also my gauge too because the second <laughs> they started talking about stuff that was work related I go okay great now it's big enough the folks who aren't in the space are acknowledging now, not like now I got to do something, but now is when it's like, okay, we really got to get on this just because sometimes it's not worth the mental energy. If it's okay. not that big of a deal, because sometimes it ain't that big of a deal and we make it bigger. And I think that's like the ego part of it. Like mm-hmm. I need this to be a big deal because so long as this is a big deal, it makes my position look big. It makes it validates my finding my identity in this. Mm. Uh, And I feel like that is in my, you know, my own experience, that was also a response to trauma and Mm -hmm. that required a lot of healing too. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's the whole ego thing, ego and leadership. It's gotta be checked. Um, and so thank you for that. That insight so helpful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have one main big question left to ask you. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, from all of this experience, from this great conversation we've had, uh, I just kind of want to gauge from you what, in your opinion, is the most important lesson in leadership that you've learned from your overall experiences. I realize I'm asking a lot, but if you can give me what's like the most effective lesson in leadership you've gotten so far.
1: Mm, the most important lesson that I received... Um, in leadership. Always be true to yourself.
0: Mm.
1: Always be true to yourself. Always be the most authentic version of who you are. Um, and yeah, like, I... I mean, there are so many times where I see people change who they are based off of who they're with. Mm-hmm. And that is the quickest way that you burn out. Um, if you are grounded in yourself and your values and your morals and your faith and your belief and your ideas, if you can stand strong through that stuff. You will remain successful in any leadership position you ever put your mind to. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I think that is the most important thing yet is to remain authentic. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to be who you are. Don't try to be outspoken if you ain't outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't try to be anything that you're not if that's not who you are. So,
0: yeah. That's beautiful. I feel like that touches on so many things too, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's something I had to learn so much this year. Mm-hmm. Is
1: mm-hmm.
0: right, if your leadership doesn't match who you are, it's not sustainable for you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, I'm curious to hear because mm-hmm. as you brought it, I'm like, is that how do you see that relating to like code switching for someone who's operating in spaces that, you know, folks from their community aren't traditionally in? Yeah. <sighs> Whew,
1: that's a great <laughs> <laughs> um, So you know, it, yeah, like, it, it's hard because I have yet to master that. Like, I think that, um, because what I'm realizing, especially now that I'm looking at my career, like I'm, I'm, I'm not only am I building this professional career, but I'm also like, you know, I'm a first generation college student myself, and I'm in spaces that I've never been in before. I'm around people who talk differently, and they talk with big words, and they're very well thought out. And, you know, they're the way they speak, the way they talk, the way they walk, everything is so calculated, that I'm not used to that. And I realized that there's like a, a balance, right? Like, you want to be able to 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 jump in the roles as as a, as a professional, but at the same time, like, I don't talk like that. You yeah. gonna hear this, my family from the South, you gonna hear the South come out. Like yeah. I'm black. I've been black like that. I can't not be black. So I feel like it's a combination of like, of course, putting your best foot forward, but also like you, I don't, it's hard. Like, you know, sometimes I want to drop a few F-bombs in a meeting and sometimes I will drop an F-bomb in a meeting and I won't even think about it until it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like <laughs> maybe that might have hindered my professional development, you know, yeah. but, it's like, but I didn't get in this position because like if you want di- if you wanted the diversity hire, you have to take what you got in. Like yeah. you got, if I'm the diversity hire, you want diversity, you're going to get diversity, right. you know an educated, diverse per- perspective, but you're going to get it. Like you're going to yes. get all that you need. So it's, it's hard. Cause it's, it's hard to find the balance of like, when do I, you know, when do I, you know, like when do I, I don't know when, when is it appropriate to say y'all and when is it appropriate to say you all, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like <it's depending laughs> of the Situation, you know?
0: Yeah. All right. That is very insightful. I appreciate it. Um, I want to be respectful of your time too. So I appreciate this conversation. Um, I feel like your experience just in multiple different spaces has been really, really helpful. Really, at least even for me throughout this year has put a lot into perspective just talking Um, to you. Um, so I very much appreciate you and just all you do. Um, so I just want to say thank you as well because um, I don't, I don't say that enough. No.
1: You're so kind no
0: problem. so um you know with that I'm trying to be respectful of your time um, that's all the questions I got for you but I appreciate you talking to us um, again amazing uh, amazing student leader someone's going on to do a lot of work um, mm-hmm. but thank you so much
1: of course and, and honestly I just want to thank you too like you are probably one of the most intelligent human beings I've met in a really long time. And like, you are so well educated when it comes to the community, to black issues, to business. Like you are so smart. (laughs) And you are one of those friends that I call on when I need some black perspective. And when I need, um, when I just want to hear words of wisdom from somebody else who is similar, yet so Mm -hmm. different. And (laughs) like, like you working on this project and you creating this space for so many people who need it is like it will amplify to so many people so I am grateful for you I'm grateful for those CSSA walkout sessions that we had Um, and I'm still grateful for our friendship so thank you for being so
0: kind yeah awesome so for for folks listening um you know if you're listening, feel free to check out the Black Ground Healing Project on Instagram. Check out our website. Um, and then hopefully we'll see more of Alex there, too. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, oh. Awesome. Well, peace and blessings. Thank you for being here. Thank Have you. a great day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.